What up, fam? This is Dr. De Luna, and you are listening to Drop It Like It's Doc podcast. Today, I have on Azima. She is an incredible coach who works with women on mindfulness movement and deepening their relationship with their body and sexuality. We're talking all about the things that your mama did not talk to you about. So listen up, learn, dive in, and ultimately fall deeper in love with yourself. beautiful Azima. Hello. I am over the moon. A, that we are even sitting at a table together, that we are now friends, <laughs> and that you are on this podcast because you are someone that I don't even know how I first saw you. I think it was honestly on social media and I just needed to know you. So here we are. Here we are. <laughs> Yay. This was synchronistic. I love it. I know. I know. I love it too. And I always start off this podcast by dropping a little love bomb as to why I invited you on. And, you know, our love is fresh, but it's already deep <laughs> in that I always follow a poll of things that I am drawn to. And I was drawn to you. And we met in one of my favorite places, which is also one of yours, I'm assuming, a yeah. cacao shop. Maya Moon walked right up to you. I could feel your open heart. I could feel how open you were to connect with someone new. And mm. then the first time that we spent together, just your ability to drop into your past, to share so vulnerably, mm. openly, powerfully, it was so inspiring. And I am just so honored that you said yes to being here and so honored that you are open to share your story with me and with all the beautiful people that are going to grow just from hearing your story. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Such a pleasure to connect with you in that way too. I believe like one of your friends was speaking about some snakey movements and you were like, ooh, I want to do some snakey movements and then we just hit it off and then I saw your Instagram and all the cool shit. I'm like, okay, I gotta be friends with her. Yes. Now here we are. <laughs> here we are, divinely connected, yes. Exactly. And you know, when I first wanted to connect with you, it was about movement and mm -hmm. I didn't even know that you had this just other side of your story that mm. is all about, you know, sexuality and loving your body and releasing shame and just talking about the shit that no one else talks about and all of those things I so admire. And it's just what the world needs, especially coming from a powerful, embodied woman. Mm. <laughs> Thank you. Thank Anytime. you. Huge part of the journey. And I feel like it'd be, it'd be kind of selfish to not share it. <laughs> right? yeah. The way that it has helped me just reclaim me and connect with so many wonderful women on the same path to like why not spread the word far and wide everywhere everywhere, everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so my babe just because i just learned about your story and i'm sure that a lot of my listeners will be hearing it for the first time do you mind sharing a little bit about your life and how you ended up doing the work that you do because you're a coach and i know that you wear many hats so sprinkle in some wisdom as All far right. as how you arrived here okay so a little bit about me and what I do now, and then I'll go into the story of it all. Um, I'm a coach, both in coaching women through all kinds of things, to intimacy, relationship, to sensuality, sexuality, um, and how how to get clear on their own intuitive voice in navigating various life challenges. And I like to infuse movement as well, just as a way to get present um, and listening to your body and also getting to know the sensations that come with emotions 
that come up when you're navigating various life challenges. And then I also coach jujitsu. I'm a brown belt in jujitsu. I coach women's jujitsu out at Victory MMA, and I have some courses around body awareness too. And that, and then other than that, lots of little side, little uh, exciting things as well that all contribute to all of this um, embodiment work. I like playing in all those spaces, and I dance, and I play in various ways. <laughs> yes. So the story, where do I begin? Anywhere you want. <laughs> so I hail from an island called Singapore, um, and I don't know if you guys know much of Singapore other than crazy rich Asians, but that's not an accurate representation of it. <laughs> <laughs> So, a uh, super small country, smaller than um, San Diego itself. So, oh, wow. um, in my opinion, and you know, my experience of Singapore is close knit community. However, because of the way the government's run and it's been that way for a long time, that people just tend to be a lot more like close minded and you know, factor in. Asian culture and everything, especially in the topics of like sex and intimacy and pleasure, we don't really talk about it openly. Um, so, growing up in that culture, and I also come from a Muslim family as well. Um, sexuality, sensuality, pleasure has just never been a topic we discuss because it's pretty taboo, <laughs> right? We just don't talk about it, um, and why I came into this work that I do where I'm coaching women through their sensuality, relationships, sexuality is because that was for so long something that was disconnected from me um, for a really long time until maybe 2019 that I got into this kind of like rock bottom spiritual 4 by 4 where I realized like man these old patterns of you know, sexual compulsion or even sexual denial or um, just all these different manifestations of how I was just coming from dysfunction uh, it was just not working anymore. I just felt like part of me was just not connected and I'm like, what is going on? Um, and how come nobody showed me before? Like, what is going on? Um, and that led me into this path of reclaiming that. And then I decided to move to San Diego um, to seek healing and community. It was just a calling that I had to lean into. And uh, man, things just unraveled bit by bit um, over time. So that's like the quick summary of yeah. it all. Yeah. But yeah, uh, happy to dive into the little bits as well. Perfect. I'm sure we will. Yeah. I'm sure we will. <laughs> and it's, I love that you followed the poll to San Diego because you have found your community mm -hmm. and a group of individuals that has just been hungry for the things that you've experienced and walked through and are now able to share. And I think that something that is so special about you is that even in the little bits that I've chatted with you, you are someone that holds a very safe container. Mm. And I think that in talking about something like sexuality or these things that, you know, are taboo, so often 
we don't give ourselves the freedom or the safety to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And I think that in doing that, that's just a huge disservice because I like to remind my patients, (laughs) you know, you actually came into this world by two people having sex. Yeah. (laughs) So we have to talk about it. Uh It is in our DNA blueprint Mm -hmm. that we are sexual beings. But I would love to dive a little bit more also into what your religious upbringing was like and how that impacted sexuality, just because honestly, I didn't I was not raised with any religion and it's Mm -hmm. something that, you know, there's positives and negatives to any way that we are raised and the different ways that we are shown is good or bad in the world. But Mm -hmm. I could imagine that that laid down a foundation that you had to break through when you found your power in sexuality. 100% happy to. Mm -hmm. And I'm ready to. I think I've been wanting to speak about it for years and years and finally feels like it's time. Um, So let's start with like way back to like infant. And this is something that I only found out maybe two years ago um, through just doing some inventory work and basically just asking God what else is there because it feels Mm. like this eight-year-old incident isn't the first incident that started having me respond in a way that I must disconnect from my body, right? Mm. So then I came across this Vice documentary about female genital cutting in Singapore and (laughs) I like saw the video and then I sent that video to my sister through Instagram and I was just basically saying you know I'm glad mama didn't take us through this and then she was like girl (laughs) but she did and that tripped me up for a little bit um and it felt like all this for for the longest time I didn't think I was a angry person I just didn't think I had any rage or anger inside of me. I don't know. Maybe I'm just soft and, (laughs) you know. And then when I found that out, it's as if, like, this anger that was, like, buried in me for so long just suddenly started coming out. Um, You know, all the feelings of betrayal and frustration, feeling like, you know, from the time that I was a baby, before I could even say no or voice out more than crying (laughs) um before all of that happened people already decided what i could do with my body or what my body was going to be right so there was a a lot of rage that i had to process and move through and you know i took a step back from like directly communicating to my mom just because i needed to like figure out what was going on Uh, Mm -hmm. but a couple of years later, not a couple of years, a year later, maybe I got to have a conversation with her and got to see where her come from was. And um, just this realization that she just didn't have a voice to say otherwise or didn't know that, um, didn't know the actual consequences of that. Um, but anyway, <clears throat> knowing that just made so much sense why most of my childhood. And these, these are stories that I heard from like my aunts and my relatives, how when I was a baby, I would just harden myself up and mm. not want to be touched. Um, I would only want to look at my mom and dad. <laughs> if I was like on a baby chair and facing someone else, I would freak the fuck out. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody else could carry me other than my parents. And so hearing that, I'm like, that's kind of strange, <laughs> you know, for a baby to like be in such this hyper alert shutdown mode. So... That went on. Um, as a kid, I was always kind of like feeling like the weirdo. Could, I don't know. Maybe I was just a sensitive baby. Period. <laughs> I was still a sensitive baby. <laughs> um, but, you know, I went through the whole 
Sunday school, you know, Muslim version of Sunday school where, you know, you don't... To sum up, <laughs> like the female experience in the Muslim culture, I don't know, there's not a lot that is said in the Quran that just like speaks about women mm-hmm. even. Um, when it comes to like our bleed or when you're... You've gone through puberty and you're bleeding. You can't enter the mosque. You know, there are certain... You can't pray. (laughs) You know, you can't pray. So I think the messaging that gets fed into us is like, oh no, my body is dirty. My body is unclean. And then, you know, obviously the lack of education around how to navigate relationships with boys and how to create boundaries, how Mm -hmm. to even like understand the fucking hormones that are running through your body instead of just like, oh shit, I'm dirty. And so in this state of like my bleed i'm not welcome by god <laughs> or you know and then there's the emphasis of obviously abstinence that you know you gotta stay pure and whatever before you get married or save you know your virginity until marriage but <laughs> what would happen what happened when um i was sexually abused at 14 and where would I go? <laughs> Who do I co- go to to talk about these things without feeling wrong or bad or ashamed or feeling like I was going to be cast out um, to hell <laughs> if yeah. if if I were open and honest about it? So instead, you know, all those experiences where I kind of sinned just let me further and further into disconnecting, pretending that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know... As that went on, and I think that, you know, contributes to just, I didn't know how to approach that conversation with my mom because she wasn't really emotionally available in that way. She did provide in so many other ways, but maybe, you know, what I feel is that's a topic that she was never, you know, initiated to talk about either. Um, So that cycle just kind of passed on of this, like, let's just pretend everything's okay and just bury the shit that had happened to us and um just cover it up with the doings of like okay prayer and going to sunday school reading the quran blah 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 but never really addressing what was underneath but you know shit was still happening Mm -hmm. um that i didn't know how to handle or deal with you know and as a kid just kind of lost and confused and I don't think it's wrong that, you know, as I was growing up into adolescence that, you know, I started having curiosities about genitals, you know, and like relationships and boys and all that. And I just didn't know how to navigate that. So I ended up looking in the wrong places but you know in hindsight now I know that I needed to go through all those experiences to get where I am now right um as far as you know I had to spend x amount of time feeling so disconnected with my body like my soul was disconnected from my body Mm. for me to realize that man I I can't I don't want to live like that anymore it was you know a long time of that and just felt numb and disconnected and I don't need to be living in that way I want to be fully here you know what I mean? Um, yeah. 
So a lot in my adolescence, I think from a result, as a result of that mind-body disconnection, you know, manifested in like depression, anxiety, and, you know, doctors giving me all these meds, SSRIs for all that stuff. I tried to control it with, with, with binge eating and then purging and then try to control it even more by stepping out of disordered eating into a different kind of obsession through bodybuilding and all that shit. So... Mm-hmm. It's a trip. <laughs> it's a trip. It's a very roundabout way of trying to come back home to myself. Mm. You know. You are powerful and your story is <laughs> very powerful. And I think, you know, every part of it we could dive into so deep, but oh. just the overarching <laughs> feeling that I get is just that you are doing the work and that you have felt the things that your nervous system wouldn't let you feel because it was too painful to right like Mm. you were a baby like you said you had no control over what happened to you but your nervous system still remembered that your body still remembered that and then as we're raised with this religious upbringing with a lot of shame around sexuality that shame has a lot of weight and it Mm. and it holds things within that can't come to the surface for the fear of speaking out and then being shunned from your community that's heavy and mm-hmm. and <laughs> this the way that you spoke about you know when you're bleeding and not being allowed to have access to god that is so interesting to me just because you know i don't i am quite spiritual i don't know what i would call what i am connected to i don't know what it is but I feel so much more connected to it when I am bleeding. The veil is thin Mm -hmm. and it's this time of darkness, but it's an internal light that is amidst that darkness. So it's interesting that how in these cultures and in these practices, women were not allowed to be a part of that Mm -hmm. just because they were bleeding. But yeah. Of course there's nothing wrong with our blood. Of course we are not dirty. Of course there's nothing shameful about our sexual experience and expression, but it's so fascinating that this is something that is ingrained in so many cultures, not yeah. just the culture that you were raised in. Mm-hmm. I mean, many women in my life that were born and raised in the United States have similar experiences and it's women like you that are speaking up and being like, actually that did not serve me at all. (laughs) This is what I learned. I learned that I disconnected my brain and my heart from my body Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. how you came back into it. And it's beautiful. That movement was a big part of that. And I loved how, even in the very beginning, when you were talking about the work that you do about how you dropping into the body allows you to understand what emotions feel like in the body. Because I think if we don't know what they are, then we do try to control them with other things because it's overwhelming Mm -hmm. until you let it out and you just don't give a fuck and you cry and you scream and you, let it out and i love that you let yourself feel rage because i'm a rage monster so this is wild shit. just wild out yeah. wild <laughs> out yes and it's like all the temper tantrums that maybe you couldn't have when you were younger oh they now need to come out exactly yes so fucking good. Smash <laughs> it feels so good to be able to just wild out and oftentimes you don't even know what the emotion is about sometimes mm-hmm. until you let it just go (laughs) you know and then you're like oh it's Mm -hmm. kind of like i don't know what i would assume kind of like post nut clarity yeah post rage (laughs) exactly and it is it's this ridiculous release of adrenaline and neurochemicals that then your nervous system can finally find stability in after and i think for some people it's easier to access sadness and for Mm. some people it's easier to access anger but to me they're very similar they're, they're the same. It's just whichever lens that you're looking exactly. through to feel it. Yeah. And 
something that my friends have told me, which is something that I'm really grateful for, is that my fire and my ability to be mad if something upset me mm -hmm. allows them to feel more comfortable with their anger and being yes. allowed to say it because our parents shaped what we think is good or bad and what we're allowed to do and what we're not. But so often those things aren't even in alignment with our own needs. Exactly. Yeah. 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 That brings me, that just reminds me of like how um, jujitsu has helped me in just channeling that mm. uh, fire. You know, like I realized one time, I think between it, uh, I was transitioning between blue belt and purple belt, where I realized I had this kind of like block, like mental slash body block when it came to rolling with more aggressive women or sparring with more aggressive women even if i was technically better and i knew it like in the moment i knew what to do mm -hmm. but because of the energy of that aggression i just like noticed this like shut down like i knew what to do i knew what my coach was yelling at me to do but my body was just no and that bothered me for a while like what the fuck is going on do i not know jujitsu i'm like rolling with someone who's like brand new and she's aggressive and i shut down what's going on and what i got to from that is remembering how when i was a kid me and my sister like my younger sister are like three years apart um she's three years younger than me and <laughs> i don't know she's just a lot more aggressive and fiery like when we were kids she would like throw shit at me bite the shit out of me um there's this like, one your little sister uh, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> maybe um i have this one very distinct memory we was we shared a queen size bed right with little kids and i remember waking up from bed i just like turned this way and it accidentally like slapped her right and then she woke up thinking that i did that on purpose so she fucking jumps me mounts me and then begins like fucking slapping the shit on me i was so confused i just woke up i just turned around to look at my sister <laughs> she's next moment she's mounting me slapping the shit out of me and i was like crying and i'm like what the fuck and i did <laughs> like a fight back and my mom came in no you're not allowed to be mad at anisa you can't be aggressive to your sister your big sister you know be a good example be a good role model or whatever and i was like fuck and i think incidents like that have had happened a lot and i think i internalized that as like oh i shouldn't get angry or be mad because that won't get me my mom's love mm. right mm -hmm. and so i was like oh damn maybe that that experience was a little bit traumatizing for me as a kid that's why it's like still showing up in my body so what i did with that um learning or discovery of where that came from is every time i stepped on the mat kind of like using whatever my grounding tools were my breath and intention and also you know again connecting with my body through presence 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 i'm here i'm not getting jumped by my sister um this is consensual mm -hmm. <laughs> strangling each other and <laughs> manipulating each other's limbs this is consensual it's fine i'm here for this and then um i think over a period of a couple months of bringing that intention fully into practice like i managed to break through that and i was like this is cool <laughs> you know and then I got, I got my purple belt i was like yay this is what it feels like and this is why exactly when i coach jujitsu for women i make sure that you know it's a playful space that open communication is there if you notice someone mouth breathing and doing this faces as you're rolling tell them to relax it's okay remind yeah. them that they're safe <laughs> you know because that 
just a clear indicator that you're somewhere else mm. um, fighting for your life. And um, we learn the best when we're in play mode. We do learn the best when we're in play mm-hmm. mode. And when we're kids, that's how we're trying to learn. We're just playing exactly. around. And then we have these adults that we look up to. And, you know, essentially we do depend on them for our survival. Uh-huh. So what they say holds a lot of weight and a lot of value. And I love how you said that, you know, you learned that to receive the love from your mother, you couldn't show up mm-hmm. in that way to your sister. And that's just because you wanted love. But now yeah. you're an adult and you're aware that there's nothing that you could do that would make your mom not love you yeah. because that's what parents are. Uh-huh. And then you're recognizing that those patterns actually didn't serve you at all. Mm-hmm. But so much of what we do is based on this subconscious patterns of what we did when we were younger just to receive love. And it's it's so interesting when you see that through your adult frontal lobe that can then see it and release those patterns because it does. It drops you into your... Your trauma and your trauma, mm-hmm. is it's like your brain is disconnected from your body when you're living in a trauma state. Mm-hmm. You get fully taken out. So whether you're aware of it or not, but I think you are, the work that you're doing is truly rewiring yeah. brains and mm-hmm. creating new pathways and ultimately changing someone's life just by continuously coming back to this feeling of being safe and yeah. recognizing all the things that you do when you don't feel safe because mm-hmm. they're not you. They're just survival. Yeah, those are just patterns that have served me for a really long time, but just... I'm outgrowing them mm-hmm. and it feels good to you know feel that rewiring and now as I'm rolling with all kinds of people no matter what background or smells um, <laughs> <laughs> that I'm still like present and available you know it, yeah. it feels so fucking good mm-hmm. when you know you've known X amount of your life you've been so shut down and closed off and wanting to hide like I remember being a teenager just wanting to hide Make it was really difficult to even make eye contact with people mm-hmm. and here I am so amazing <laughs> with me here I you know, are with great <laughs> eye contact yes mm. I know the sweet little babies that just want to feel safe and protected it's but now we're big babes we're big babes we're big babes yeah And something else that you brought up that I wanted to dive deeper into as well was just your relationship with sexuality and how you are, you spoke to just the communication with yourself and other people that you're rolling with or working with on the mat. And I'm sure that a lot of women that you work with are learning for the first time how to communicate sexually Mm. with their partner. Oh, yeah. So I would love to just start (laughs) to shift the conversation a little more sexy. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> I think all of that shifted. Um, this like deep dive for myself began when I moved to America. Wait, a little bit before moving to America, it was after a breakup. <laughs> it was Good after breakup. a breakup. Good old breakup. Where um, that happened after me breaking some boundaries with my partner. Uh, he's now my husband, but at the time he was my boyfriend. No, we were engaged. And we were doing this, these couple months of exploring open relationship um, because it just like made sense for me (laughs) because in my past relationships, I'd just be serial cheating on other people. And that was honestly a pattern that I'd seen with um, my dad. Mm. And so I kind of like took that on. Another part of it is, I think it was just me rebelling against my mom because, like, 
I remember being a teenager. She had like come across some of my sexting or whatever, and, <laughs> and she was like, kind of like you know, slut shamed me or whatever. And I was like, I'll show you. I'll be like a slut whore. Exactly. I'll show you. And then it just, I just couldn't stop. <laughs> I just couldn't stop past that. And then anyway, so then I realized how bad the selfishness was for me um in that I, I began to see how i was like constantly just like taking and taking and taking from people and how i was denying that i was doing that um and that was when eric my husband called 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 me out on that shit you know and he was really open and vulnerable with me about it he wasn't mean about it that's a weird part because he wasn't mean about it when i was already expecting this like anger rage being like you know told him a piece of shit and then like yeah. ghosting me and out of my life like i was it's almost it's almost like i was expecting that but i was met with so much compassion and love um mm. but this firm boundary right this boundary that he held up was not this prickly fence and where i'd be electrocuted it's just like a declaration that he gets to be treated well <laughs> you know uh that we get to treat this relationship that we built sacred and i'm like fuck i don't fucking know how to do that i've never mm. done that i've never seen that in my life mm. you know um and he's been in the recovery world for some time he's been sober at that time i think he was sober 15 years and so he's been in the work of 12 steps and like personal development for some time so he could recognize in me what i couldn't uh, mm. for myself right but that being said as much as i wanted to like, hold on i believe i'm going to heal myself and fix myself he needed to we needed to take some time apart so um we were living in thailand at the time and um after this trip <laughs> where i went to essentially have like a sex bender mm-hmm. um when i came back my bags were packed and he had held the boundary that as you might need to go get help go get support for this i love you but it just hurts too much right now and i'm like fine um i see that and then that that me to moving back to singapore and because that was just such an important piece of me that i needed to heal and meet myself in i like avoided like scrambling to get work scrambling to like get my life together instead just spend a lot of time just alone <laughs> in my bedroom just feeling feeling all the grief feeling all the what the fuck have you know how did i get here um and then pretty much spent like 5 days out of 7 days a week just attending recovery meetings and um SLAA sex and love addicts anonymous was um a meeting that was happening pretty fre- frequently in singapore and i was like you know i, I just got to give it a shot and so <laughs> and so i went to i remember my first meeting i went and i was so fucking terrified because i'm like i never thought i would identify as an addict because i never had problems with drugs and alcohol maybe that comes from just growing up in a muslim household where there's no none of that in the uh, house and um it was so scary but when i started hearing other people's shares it was like oh my god i saw myself in all of them whether they were male or female like I saw me and 
after like a couple of meetings attending i finally started sharing and then it felt so good to just be seen um in your you know brokenness or whatever and so i think over time that also just get got my voice stronger mm-hmm. um and in that Eric and I were still communicating long distance. He had moved to the UK for a coaching stint for a little bit and we were kind of keeping in contact and um it was it was beautiful to see how he was able to still hold me in so much love um with those boundaries too that we decided to reconcile and go and meet each other again in New York like 3 months later. Um but we didn't end up staying in New York <laughs> for multiple reasons cuz it's cold as shit. <laughs> and and he's been here in San Diego. He lived in San Diego for 5 years when he was still fighting and he knew of the recovery community here. He knew of like just wellness community here that could, you know, be of great support to the both of us, you know. And so after maybe a month and a half in New York we decided to come to San Diego and then I continued the recovery work over here um but <laughs> the funny thing was when I got to the SLAA rooms here it was kind of depressing I'll be honest <laughs> it was pretty depressing like there was no solution <laughs> other than don't have sex so interesting what, what? Oh. I'm interested in re, you know, rebuilding a relationship with sex. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if it's the leadership that was around it or um the people that were involved in the program, but it just didn't seem like there was solution. Um and I think the way that they were going about it just didn't make sense for me to create certain bottom lines. So bottom line behaviors are pretty much the things that are the step below you acting out sexually in a way that is compulsive or um dysfunctional right and it didn't make sense if something is a compulsion how are you going to control it by looking at your bottom lines and that's just control that's not freedom mm-hmm. <laughs> and i'm mm-hmm. like i don't want this but i did find a sponsor through another program that has done SLAA work or sex and love addiction work and I love her so much. <laughs> I love her so much cuz she was just while she was like as you might you're going to do the things that you're going to do until you're done with it. And now I'm like, "Oh, I am." <laughs> I am. So that's what happened. I got to like actually see where my obsessions went to, where my um you know, dysfunctional thoughts and patterns were existing and and all I could do was just be and look at it and you know obviously that's the process of like inventory where you look at how your actions and behaviors harm yourself and other people and with all that awareness like I can go back to doing it with you know it'd be it would be selfish not to <laughs> and then <laughs> um um and then being able to share that at the end with other people like sponsoring other people you know and um on top of that i think i told you this before that i met emily abbot somewhere in between because i was like mm, this program is kind of dry it's not sexy at all i'm trying to build a fucking <laughs> healthy relationship not you know live the rest of my life as this fucking nun no. you know 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just see that. And so, like, suddenly Emily walks into my life. Um, and I remember our first meetup, we were like slacklining out in the OB green, and we started talking about our pussies. Like, right away, I'm like, oh, I love this lady. And she was talking about, like, you know, cell vagina massage and like rewiring pleasure from the inside out. And I was like, oh. I fucks with that and then that's what i began to do just like started exploring myself all over again right like okay i knew where a lot of my traumas lied um and so how do i approach myself with such gentleness and 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 actually give myself pleasure open myself up to receiving pleasure that feels good just for me mm. you know oh and at the time, you know, Eric and I were still patching things up. He was still, you know, he needed some time to like begin trusting me again. So both of us were doing individual work as far as codependency goes and all that stuff. So we weren't very intimate during that maybe first year or two, like reconciling and everything. But I used that time to just get intimate with me and get clear mm. with me and, you know, my yeses and my noes that were not dependent on another person telling me to please them, you know. And that was fucking the best thing that I've ever done for myself, you know. And now I get to share that with other people because, I swear to God, like, that disconnection and feeling like, you know, all these years I've not known myself in such a deep level thinking that i have it really fucking destroyed me there was a point where i was like i don't even want to be here mm -hmm. anymore you know and it was until i started reconnecting myself almost like experiencing god within myself and mm -hmm. i could like fucking you know um get to climax and i'm like laughing and crying and like laughing and crying at the same time like holy fucking shit <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. this is just for me and nobody can tell me that i can't experience this yes oh beautiful save my fucking life yes and you've said so many really gorgeous things in that last <laughs> statement and something that is clear to me is that in any relationship that we have there there really mirrors into our first relationship which mm -hmm. was that of our parents and how that was modeled and let's be fucking real that a lot of our parents weren't in love they were not treating each other with love and respect i mean mine didn't mm -hmm. um they didn't respect each other's boundaries and love was not modeled in a way that i want to show up in a partnership mm -hmm. or even how i want to show up for myself that yeah. wasn't modeled and then you get all these relationships all these partners that give you the opportunity to say do you want to keep this pattern or do you want to break it do you want to mm -hmm. keep this pattern do you want to break it and I have a history of having a lot of friends and family members who have worked through addiction of other substances. And mm -hmm. it, it does really fall to that point of you're not done until you're done. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> and I could wish that they were done. I could pray that they were done. I could try to shame them into being done. I could try to hurt them into them being done. But it doesn't matter mm -hmm. because until that pattern breaks and until you can pull yourself out of the compulsion and say, this actually isn't something that I want to do. It's just going yeah. to keep happening until that is something that really 
you have the deep desire from yourself to break and that is rooted in self-love it's never rooted in shame mm -hmm. because usually shame just makes us want to hide and then what feels good to us is anything that gives us dopamine which are these things that we become addicted to and yep. that could be coffee that could be a phone it oh, could God, be you know a relationship it could be anything that yeah. we do that with so your story i think highlights a lot of that and that you broke some of these patterns that were passed down whether you were conscious of them or not and then in the bottom of that you found a love for yourself that is yours that no one can ever take from you that is mm -mm. fully independent of another person of anyone else's genitals or hands or mouths <laughs> it is all you it's all me it's all you <laughs> and i also work with so many women that believe it or not which i'm sure because you work with women as well that have never reached climax mm. and they might be able to almost get there by themselves but i also have women that won't that don't even feel comfortable putting their fingers inside of their own body and i think that that has to do with this idea of shame but also this idea that so that's someone else does that for mm -hmm, you mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and how fucked up is that i know right yeah yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Not fair. <laughs> it's, it's not fair really. it's not and it's just like so much a part of us it's just the same as like putting my fingers in my fucking nose yeah <laughs> you know yeah, what's the difference no it's no different but it's it's you know under this fucking like fog of shame or mm -hmm. things that you're allowed to do or not allowed to do and i'm grateful for other very empowered women that are just being like mm -mm, fuck that that's not real i don't want to live that way and if we don't want to live that way there's other people that don't want to live that way but they're just waiting for someone to tell them that it's okay yeah and yeah. I love that you're doing that. Thank and you're you. loud about it. <laughs> I have to be. Yeah. This is something that we can't just be quiet about anymore. Plus, we're safe enough to do so yeah. now. Yeah. So why the fuck not? I mean, people are <laughs> rapping about it and singing about it. And right? that's okay. You can play that on the radio inside of like a fucking McDonald's. Yeah. And target. then you can't talk to your parent about it. You can't talk to your friends about it. There is still a deep disconnect. That mm -hmm. is something that I am so passionate about breaking as well. Because even as a woman, I mean, I've, I don't know what it's like to be an embodied male. But as a woman, this womb <laughs> is my superpower. Yeah. She talks. She she contracts she will one day hold life yeah she gives me intuitive whispers mm -hmm. it's something that i would never take away that disconnection but maybe that's why why people don't want us to be connected because it, it disconnects us from our power and it's easier to control people that aren't empowered you know i, I believe so <laughs> i believe so it's something dark in you know just seeing all the different systems and institutions wanting to control what we get to do with our wounds and our bodies and something insidious about that yeah you know because mm. yeah yeah it, it was it, it was strange to me how like i think between maybe 16 and like 20 something like i started getting like super obsessed about getting to know my body through like lifting and all kinds of things building muscle like knowing what to eat and all this stuff but uh, as i began this journey of like healing from healing my sexuality i realized that that's just one place i never went to mm -hmm. right like i knew what to do to please another person mm -hmm. you know i knew what to do to look fucking sexy but if it was just me i didn't really 
connect with it even just looking at her in with a hand mirror was something mm-hmm. that i had so much resistance to mm-hmm. in the beginning talking about her you know all that stuff i had so much fucking resistance when i was like getting waxed i would like not look <laughs> you know yeah. why why yeah just begin being to ask myself these questions why when i had like certain issues with like uterine fibroids or whatever i was fucking terrified because i didn't know what was going on mm-hmm. and so i was at the mercy of like these other doctors um who didn't give me any kind of like comfort or um assurance or any kind of like nurture even though I was fucking terrified because it's part of me that kind of feels fucking alien to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, huh, that was interesting. Um, yeah. But like now I'm like, I know her so well that those whispers, um, I know when someone is like kind of a trickster, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. all those things. And it was just right here. It was just waiting for me all this time. Yeah. You know, just to drop in and to listen. Yeah. I mean, even women get embarrassed to go and get a pap smear and go to a gynecologist Mm -hmm. and just have a doctor, you know, look at the area. And I think it is, it's because of the shame. And Mm -hmm. I keep coming back to that word. And it's something that I truly want to smash with a fucking bat. I get, I'm so passionate Mm -hmm. about (laughs) helping women not feel shame for their bodies and also for being sexy for themselves. Like, Dancing in front of the mirror for you. Turning yourself on. Feeling your own body. Finding your sweet little spotties. And (laughs) playing around with all the muscles down there. Hell yeah. 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 I mean, a friend recently taught me that you can isolate the four walls of your vagina. Yeah. And just like do a little dance down there. Squeeze there, squeeze there, squeeze there. And like see what happens. And that's just awakening so much root energy that can just slither its way on up. And yeah, it's all, it's all connected. And it's all, I think that once people start to connect with that power, then they will never look back. Mm -hmm. I I don't think you can. (laughs) No, I don't think you can. No, I don't think you can. No. It's like, you can't. You can't close that mm-hmm. door anymore. Yeah. And so you just got to keep sharing it until everyone gets on the same level. Yeah. And, you know, I work with so many women who I talk about all this stuff with my patients because mm-hmm. I need to know. I need to know their relationship with their body, especially mm-hmm. if anyone is coming to me with any type of womb, anything, period cramps, irregular periods, mm-hmm. you know, just low back pain, constipation, anything that has anything to do with the womb. I need to ask them their connection because I think a lot of us. Even if we don't think that we encountered sexual trauma, I think it's obvious when we have, but even certain situations in which you're having sex and you didn't want to, Mm -hmm. or you're having sex with someone that you don't even necessarily want to, or, you know, any of these things, your body still goes, no, and your brain disconnects from your body. And as a result, that part of you goes, oh, she doesn't listen. So let's just, let's just stop. Yeah. Let's just stop talking as loudly. So it silences, it silences, it silences. And then it leads to this inability to even feel pleasure because you're so neurologically mm-hmm. disconnected and how many individuals I know that are just numb 100%. in that area. Yeah. You got to wake her up. Mm-hmm. I always ask my patients, I go, do you masturbate? And some of them like turn bright red. And I'm like, yeah. do you masturbate? <laughs> it's, like, it's a question. I don't know. And then if not, I'm like, you should. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. And they can look like so many ways, right? Like you yeah. said, um, the numbing even I experienced that because at a period of time like I couldn't get to sleep without like pleasuring myself mm. and so just like 
go off with that vibrator over my hands and like my clitoris until it got to a point where I couldn't fucking like feel anything mm. and then that just led me to even you know being a lot harder and rougher with myself because I was like I need to like this is the only way I can relax mm. and I was like oh. and then now just knowing so many ways I can pleasure myself that doesn't involve that mm-hmm. and I also you know spent a period of like a year like a clitoral fast where I just didn't do that just so that I'll like let her fucking chill <laughs> a little bit for all the whole like decade yeah. of abuse <laughs> so, self-inflicted um gave her a little rest I'm like you can chill girls um I'll explore the other parts and I'm so glad that I did because yeah. now there are just so many other like juicy areas that I've discovered you know and that I get to even like communicate with my partners mm-hmm. too because a lot of times like I don't know. I feel like the clitoris has been highlighted so much that yeah. okay, everybody knows how to find it now. It's not a conversation if you I mean, can't find it. Hopefully, they can hopefully. Find it. <laughs> 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 but then now there's these other spaces too that we get to explore, and it's like a whole new fucking world. Yeah. You know? Yes. And that's like a deep level of intimacy that you had with yourself, so that you could share that. But so many individuals have never had that, mm-hmm. and then unfortunately a lot of men get their sex education from porn yeah yeah so then they think that a woman likes to be treated in a certain way and it couldn't be further from the truth that most things that people see in a porn it not only doesn't turn me on but it doesn't give me pleasure so um i think that so many people then if it's if that sexual encounter isn't how they saw it in porn they go oh it wasn't good or she isn't whatever you know and really it's just because of that false knowledge and it's it's acting it's acting and it's 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 i think it's destroying a lot of partnerships and just even the foundations of creating a good partnership Mm -hmm. even the sounds and the the things that are not authentic (laughs) to being a human in their sexual power so i just did want to take a little note on that no for sure like that how that creates this expectation of how things should be mm-hmm. everything from how your genitals are supposed to look like yeah. <laughs> you know the colors um labia length and all that like and then feeling bad if like you know my fucking vulva isn't like nice and like tucked in and that's something that i had to like take a look at too like mm-hmm. wait a minute they're different all these different variations of vulvas and they're all actually so fucking beautiful <laughs> you know? flowers. exactly and i didn't know that before i thought like oh shit oh yeah <laughs> oh no yeah it should just be you know tucked away forever yeah and no one can see it but yeah, hide it. Yeah. yeah yeah and then everything from also like you know different penises some mm-hmm. are curved some are you know exactly and they're all okay yes i mean we're different colors so Uh how could we not expect our vulvas to be different colors i'm a very different color than my mom Mm -hmm. and my mom you know we i've always been able to say anything to this woman and i am forever grateful for Uh that and And I remember, you know, when I first started having sex and stuff, I told her like it was always something that we could talk about. And I remember when I went through puberty, my whole body changed as all of ours did. And Mm -hmm. mine became purple. (laughs) Mom, mine's not pink anymore. It's purple. And I remember looking at hers and looking at mine. And I was like, something's wrong. Like, no, it's not. There's nothing wrong. And I I'm so grateful that. that she said that. And then even growing up, you know, women 
we have the same body, but mm -hmm. a lot of women don't even feel comfortable changing around each mm. other, going to, you know, a spa in which you're naked around each other, just yeah. because there is this underlying feeling of shame that I have to hide this. Mm -hmm. This is for my partner and my partner only, or yeah. whatever fucking bullshit we say. <laughs> and once I became a doctor and started doing pap smears and doing pelvic exams, it was the first time in my life that I saw all the different genitals. Mm. And I was pretty blown away because they are so, 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 so different. And a lot of them don't look like mine mm -hmm. because mine is unique and beautiful as is yours, as are all of ours. And instead of wishing that all of ours looked like someone on porn, mm -hmm. if we just celebrated our bodies and loved our bodies in that way. Yeah. Even men, I've heard them, you know, say just interesting comments about women's bodies and other women say different things about each other's bodies and it's all just rooted in shame and it's rooted in you know insecurity i think yeah, yeah yeah and when i hear comments like that and i've had an experience like this just uh, maybe like a year ago you were like partying and then there was this guy who was like talking about this girl blah 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 and like her vulva and i'm like side eye and i'm like you really don't know do you no <laughs> baby no. boy Sweet, sweet child sweet child you, you don't know it's a whole world out there it's a whole world of puss a whole world of puss <laughs> out there for you to explore or not or not um or just stay there that's fine too yeah it is to each their own but yeah. you won't be seeing mine that's for damn sure <laughs> <laughs> only respectful eyes exactly get to see this body mm -hmm. but it starts with respect for yourself too 100 yeah yeah because i feel like you know embodying the sexy is not about the the look of it all right because mm -hmm. this shit is fucking temporary i'm gonna mm -hmm. you know grow old and you know have a bunch of wrinkles and things are gonna sag in various places and all that stuff but does that mean that i stop being sexy when that happens no, no right it's like a, it's it's a it's a way of being and how i carry myself how i it's almost like living from turn on mm -hmm. on the inside out and it can it fucking bleeds into everything mm -hmm. that i do it can even bleed into my jujitsu yeah. <laughs> you know i'm just like fucking people up and like feeling sexy while i'm strangling someone as he's gurgling between my legs yes i mean that statement was sexy to me I know. So I <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, yes and even this act of being sexy you know i've gotten some interesting feedback for the way that i dance mm -hmm and I love dancing mm -hmm. and I love my body. Mm -hmm. And that is for me. Yeah, It is all for me. I feel sexy when I look at myself in the mirror. I feel mm -hmm. confident when I look at myself in the mirror. I have fun, I feel feminine and flowy. And I think that even a woman walking down the street, you know, even if she was in a thong or in booty shorts, someone goes, oh, she's trying to get attention. What if she's just doing that? Cause it makes her feel confident, makes her feel good in her body. And that is our right mm -hmm. to do that. So I also just felt the need to get that off my chest. That being sexy is for no one but yourself. Exactly. And other people can benefit from it, but yeah. and, <laughs> be inspired uh, by it. But it's, it's not, not wrong to, it's not wrong to want validation from one of the people either. No, you know, yeah. if that is something that also comes up and like, it's not wrong either. Yeah. I mean, I'm a Leo. I love attention. Fuck yeah. I'm I a love Leo it. moon. Me too. Yes, <laughs> yes. It's no problem. But for the most part of it, I think that someone would assume that if someone, mm -hmm. a woman in her power, confident in her body, mm -hmm. must be doing it to get attention. Yep. When that is usually not the case. It's mm -hmm. just someone that has worked really hard. Yeah. 
to get to that place. And it's truly to empower others and to walk the walk so that other people can show up in their full power. Yeah, it's just allowing yourself to be seen in that mm -hmm. state so that you can attract people who possibly also want that too. <laughs> you like know? us. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. we're drawn to each other. Yeah, and all the booty shakings and everything. Oh God, <laughs> love shaking the ass. Mm. So love good. it, love it, love it, love it. I just had a <laughs> hilarious image of once I decided that I wanted to start to learn how to twerk mm -hmm. because I grew up being a ballerina. It's a very different way of moving yeah. your body. You're precise, you're lifted, you're structured. It's... And then twerking, you're literally letting your ass muscle go mm -hmm. and just shaking that shit around. Yeah. And I remember when I would practice at home, my mom's like, I want to try. Ah! And my mom, I just have an image of her. She's just trying to twerk. Oh, I love her. I love, love that it. woman. Mm. Yeah. One of my goals would be to teach my mom to twerk. Because, <laughs> like, she came to visit. She surprised me. She came to visit um, in December. And she was singing in an Airbnb, but we had to come back to my place um, to pick up some food because I was, I was going to roast their whole leg of lamb and I left it in my fridge. And so she came by in my apartment. I have just like this, you know, giant pole in the middle of my fucking living yes. room. And I was like, she ready for it? Eh, I don't know. Fuck her and find out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she walks in. I'm like, look, well, it's my pole. <laughs> As I'm like preparing the things and I turn around, she's like, a bit she's like puts it puts her hand on it and like starts swinging her leg i'm like mama and i was like that was just the, like a single most healing thing that she like done i was like oh my god this is incredible because i didn't think that she'd be like open to it or even you know but she was like playful mm. with me and through that all so it's like miracles happen yes. <laughs> you know I, I i i've been experiencing her relax a lot more around me since I started being like super open and honest with her with where I'm at, what I'm navigating. I was open and honest with her with like the sex addiction recovery. I was open and honest with her around, you know, wanting to know the answers behind the female genital cutting. Um, I was open and honest with her with our relationship for a long time. And um, also, you know, we went through a period of uh, navigating some family challenges because I decided to do an interfaith marriage where, you know, I didn't want or need Eric to go and convert just to marry me. And obviously that was something that my entire family wanted. Um, I was like, I'm not going to do that, you know. Um, and I'm so happy that I did mm -hmm. all those things to just honor myself because just realizing how all of my life has been just serving other people, doing things that other people wanted. And then feeling like I didn't even know myself because all my life has been about other people. And then since coming over here and doing all this healing work, recovery work, looking at my shit, my part and everything that I had created, like I just had to stand my ground. And that, um, that led to maybe a period of like her not really talking to me. There was a little bit of like disconnection there, but she finally came around yeah. and just our relationship is just so much more real right now even though we have like all these different differences and also that ripple effect that created from my younger sister and just being able to speak her truth too it's just so beautiful <laughs> to like see where we are now with all the women in the family and also seeing how that rippled into my cousins and all that shit like mm. my mom is one of 11 children 
and so i have a shit ton of cousins and some of them are female and um or women and just i don't know they follow they've been following me for a little bit and i i, I can see too like how they're stepping into their own version of womanhood as well you know uh, yeah. that looks different from our mothers and it's just so beautiful to see yeah that ripple effect <laughs> it really is it's gorgeous and i mean i think that as children and i don't have a child but we i think that even you know teacher and student you think that there's this hierarchy but really we're all just humans trying to figure it out mm -hmm. our parents are just big babies yeah. that are trying to figure it out they teach us lessons we teach them lessons mm -hmm. and it's this underlying understanding that the love is stronger than any lesson mm -hmm. so that you have safety to share openly and honestly and to watch the ripples happen and to say that is your version of showing up in this world this is in alignment with your truth that's not mine this is my truth will you mm -hmm. still love me as i stand in it and exactly uh, just the image of your mom you know just flying here <laughs> hand on the bowl kicking around that probably was so freeing for her oh my god just seeing her let loose yes and it's play right it's just being adults that are playing and we have no idea what's going on we're trying to just figure it out and it's we have to be able to have fun and mm -hmm. sex is fun hell yeah it's really fun mm -hmm. it's one of my favorite games and if we don't allow ourselves to have fun in all aspects of our life how can we expect to have fun in one of the most intimate things that we're having with another person exactly yeah that we are choosing mm -hmm. to have with another person um yeah there's so much there and <laughs> and i think that you are changing your whole family lineage just by being yourself and having the courage to do it. So I also just want to admire that in you because it does take a lot of courage and it takes a lot of strength and it takes mm. a lot of just self-love and making yourself right, not making yourself wrong, not shaming yourself because we can do that. Oh, we can so shame easy. ourselves. I'm an expert at that. Yeah, we don't need anyone <laughs> else to do it. We can shame ourselves into being paralyzed mm -hmm. and until you decide again, almost like that idea of addiction that you do it until you realize that you don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. And I think that's where I don't think I really recognize that for me, I was so stuck in so many unhealthy patterns. I had such her terrible anxiety, depression. I have a history with attempting to kill myself, all mm -hmm. sorts of really heavy things. And yeah. It wasn't until I recognized through my love of movement, mm. through my yoga practice, through breathing, through dancing and dropping into my body that I could almost hover above it yeah. and see that those were just these cyclical reflexogenic patterns that I could choose if I wanted to hop off of that, if mm -hmm. I wanted to just do something different. And the fun thing about the brain is that when you choose to do something different, at first it's really hard. It takes a lot of energy, yeah. but then you can lean into that and it becomes easy. Yeah. So it's just choosing what you want to break and having enough power to to do it or to not until you don't want to anymore. Exactly. <laughs> and I feel like, yeah, movement is a great vehicle for that and just kind of like practicing feeling what that active choice looks like within mm -hmm. your body, right? Where you're able to... Being in your body and moving around is just, you know, you're you're present to it already, period, right? Your your senses are alive, your feeling sensations on your skin, you're feeling the muscles move through your body. And then sometimes and for me that was the only way that I could be with myself without feeling like I was trapped, mm -hmm. you know. Um 
before like it would be so fucking painful to sit in meditation for like even three minutes mm -hmm. you know so um movement was the first way getting into my body with all of that and at the time i think i started getting into more mindful way of moving as i was nursing a spine injury from being a meathead powerlifting <laughs> like going into my peaking phase in powerlifting because i was preparing for a meet i'm like oh i'm just gonna do this jujitsu tournament <laughs> well <laughs> getting back to training um and my coach my powerlifting coach they told me not to do the jujitsu competition but i did it anyway because i had to fuck around and find out right but uh, so out. i found out yeah. <laughs> couldn't lift an empty bar um without pain so that led me to like six months of like all right i gotta relearn how to use my body and that was the first time that i started even like uncovering emotions that was stored in my body with like you know how i was like beating myself up for not being able to do this thing or beating myself up for even being in pain i'm like i shouldn't be feeling this pain i should be stronger than this blah 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 sure. you know <laughs> and then making the choices that are in alignment with like what my body actually needs versus what i want mm. oh. <laughs> and then yeah. doing that over and, over and over and over and again and then starting to see results and you're like oh this is why i do it this is why and then just slowly expand that expand that expand that bit by bit um until you know, it doesn't just exist within my movement practice, but also everywhere else, right? Um, it's like respecting your own boundaries. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Not gaslighting yourself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's easy to do that. All these things that we blame other people, we oh. can do them all to ourselves. No problem. We probably do it to ourselves first. I agree. <laughs> I agree. And then it feels familiar. So then when it happens in another way, we don't even recognize that's uh -huh. happening at first, at least. <laughs> yeah. Powerful. So since you work closely with women and one-on-one, -on -one, I'm sure, and then also in community settings, what are some of your favorite ways for gorgeous babes to start to drop into this side of themselves and start to explore? Um, there's this uh, framework <laughs> that I share with my clients called the four M's. <laughs> so movement it's literally and this can look like so many ways right movement it could be dance it could be jujitsu it could be just let's say if you're depressed <laughs> right and it, it's difficult to get out of bed movement can be just getting out of bed like getting showered making mm -hmm. yourself a meal right doing something that gets you into your body one way or another it could be a walk um, while you're listening to tunes and then mindfulness is where you connect with yourself in some way it could be sitting in meditation it could be sitting in nature um and or journaling too where i'm essentially talking to myself like i cannot tell you how much journaling has helped me just get to know myself and i'm just like free writing free mm -hmm. writing um and allowing whatever it's not tears food um stains on the page <laughs> like who cares it's yeah. like my shit right blood oh, my bleed mm -hmm. you know that feels so good too um and then meaning connection with people outside of you like calling up a friend um, <laughs> calling up a friend talking about the things that you've been holding for some time or if you don't have people like that there are lots of circles that offer that space right for me i found that through 12-step programs and you know if that's something that you don't really identify with or 
find comfort in there are also other ways that you can seek community right basically just getting out of yourself <laughs> calling a close friend or your grandma or something i don't know whoever feels safe for you and then lastly is like mastery where you spend time whether it's five minutes ten minutes or two hours diving into something that fucking lights you up inside like gives you pleasure from the inside if it's fucking crochet or uh, <laughs> or reading about praying mantis whatever <laughs> uh, <laughs> just spend some time like s- scratching that itch mm-hmm. you know and connecting to yourself in that way and i think it's important too right um and this is coming from the understanding of how like sometimes sexual trauma when you've experienced sexual trauma it can be so 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 scary to even like think about i'm gonna look at my own pussy in the mirror that might be like a heart no in the nervous system but you can also still expand your ranges of pleasure by diving into things like that making yourself a meal that you fucking love from your childhood and fully being immersed in the whole process of chopping up all the little vegetables and really savoring every fucking minute of it like you're expanding your range of pleasure when you're eating the food you're like tasting feeling it go down your body that's ex- expanding your ranges of pleasure you're like maybe you're catching a live band and you're allowing yourself to move or even just instead of just being still you're you're moving your head and it begins with just that and you realize like oh people are grooving with me and then over time you expand that and expand that so there's no one like solution to it right but doing what actually feels fucking juicy and true to you you know and allowing yourself to receive support and asking for support it's okay to ask for support if you don't know you're not wrong or bad or um broken for not knowing how to navigate this on your own like fucking i was i didn't know what to do either (laughs) you know so it's all good (laughs) they'll probably be met with so much love and understanding and support too Mm -hmm. you know when you come from just that openness and so just an invitation to keep your heart open to and and leaning in kind of like following your turn on right whatever it is that brings you joy whatever it is that makes you feel a little tingly on the inside and trusting that um, instead of the voice of fear of or or i shouldn't do this or i shouldn't stop shooting on yourself period (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Please. Please. Please stop putting on yourself. For real. Only light yourself up. <laughs> and I love a lot of what you said in that. I think that some people think that a lot of this work has to be so complicated or even being embodied has to be complicated. Being someone that meditates is something that is really challenging for some people to wrap their head around, but you can meditate on anything. It's just being fully present in that moment. Like you said, mm-hmm. cutting up the vegetables, mm-hmm. watching yourself cut them, hearing the sound of the knife on the cutting board, oh, putting, <laughs> putting them slowly into the pan, listening to the mm, sizzle, smelling sizzle. the herbs as they, you know, come to life in the oil and just being fully present in your body. Mm-hmm. You can experience pleasure in every moment. Even one of my most pleasure filled activities is laying in the sun and yeah. just feeling the sun on my skin. Yeah. It's I even imagining it right now yeah. brings me joy. So I'm already picturing like the like beads of sweat trickling down and I yes. feel it. I'm like, ooh, ooh, <laughs> it's a tickle. Tickle. <laughs> yes, 
<laughs> yes. And you know, the sun is, it's shining on everyone, but your ability to feel pleasure towards it is just your choice mm -hmm. to feel it in that yeah. moment. And we can do that in any way, yeah. in any time. Yeah. So I love that you said that and inspired me and <laughs> praying that it's sunny out when we leave here, even though it's oh probably not we're in San Diego I'm, for like two weeks. Now. I missed it. That's okay. I miss it so much. I know. <laughs> I know. We're going to the jungle, girl. We're going to the jungle. I need to. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, Azima, this conversation was amazing i truly want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for being open to share your story because truly it is incredibly powerful and i know that so many women listening to this podcast are going to receive the medicine of your story and they are going to be so inspired to have honest conversations with themselves and to get more in touch with themselves in a way that maybe they haven't felt safe to before so i'm going to absolutely leave your contact stuff in the notes of this podcast so you can all check her out however i always ask that the humans that I sit across from the table with, that we end with something from your heart, whether that is a love bomb for someone out there, for your community, anything at all, a knowledge bomb of something that you've learned along your journey that you wanna share, a truth bomb, just something that you're passionate about, mm -hmm. truly anything that's on the surface. Okay, so this came out to me in meditation this past week, and it was following a very intimate conversation with me and my husband Eric where he shared with me some um you know stuff that I knew was scary for him to share and what came to me in meditation was the more I hide myself the more I take away the possibility of another person growing in love because mm. <laughs> we attach to like how they're gonna like pull away and all these negative consequences but we also tend to take away the possibility of them growing more into love and <laughs> with that download came i was like oh, holy shit cool yeah cool yes love love i think we all are capable of so 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 much we just tend to forget mm -hmm. and so i love you people Thank you for listening and love you. And Thank love you, you for giving me this space. And you make it so easy for me to mm. drop in and share everything because you stare right into my soul. And mm. if I hold anything back, I think you'll know. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, I don't know. I'm not running away. I'm yes. Here. Well, I am so grateful that the universe pulled us together, that you are shiny and beautiful. And I was drawn to you. And <laughs> I, I was going to demand that we were friends. So <laughs> you felt mutual Same. and that you are also open to share because everything that we discussed today is you know it's taboo it's things that not everyone talks about and takes a very strong confident woman to speak about it so thank you for being you and for doing all the work that you did to get you to this point to share thank this story you. thank you yes you're welcome thanks for listening gorgeous familia see you soon see you